Tanya for the 25th of Tishrei refers to the story. The Bashamtav once with his students decided to travel westward. doesn't say in the story exactly where the Bashamtav went, but the Bashamtav traveled west. And the reason was is he heard about the legendary hospitality that the people in the west, I'm assuming western Europe, had. And the Bashamtav wanted to experience it firsthand. And so he traveled to the students. And along the way, they were stopped by someone who invited them in and the Bashantov said that he wanted to it was Sukkis. The Bashantov said he wanted to go somewhere with an Esrik. The man said he has an Esrik, he has a mikvah. It sounds like this man had uh, the full um, ability to host the Bashantov. And it sounds like even though the Bashantov wanted to go further, he decided he was convinced to stay. And the man took exceptionally good care of him, and him and his students were so well taken care of. And finally, when it was time to go, the Bashantov asked this man, Is there anything that he, rec- he, he needs? And the man said, I have goodness in this world. I have riches and goodness. But I would like for the Bashantov to pray that I get a worthy portion in Olyam Haba. He was worried about the, uh, his portion in the world to come. And he, he asked the Bashantov, could he uh, assure him, or could he um, uh, pray for him that he could get a good portion in the world to come? So the Bashantov told him, if, you, if that's what you want... Come to Mezabush. The man had provided the Bashantav with a lot of wine during um, Yom Tov, during Sukkot. And the Bashantav told him, if you'd like to be blessed with um, <coughs> the world to come, he should bring wine to the Bashantav to Mezabush. The man was very wealthy, so he absolutely agreed. And it sounded like he had a lot of access to wine. And so the Bashantav returned back home. And meanwhile, he hired wagons of wine barrels. And... He sent them to the Bashemtev. He he brought them along to the Bashemtev. Along the way there, there was a massive downpour. And it sounded like this is very far away from Mezabush. So he was traveling for a very long time and he was delayed. And he tried to find the wagons. He went to go to find a place to, to you know, go for cover with the rain. But by the time he got back, he couldn't find his wagons, couldn't find every, all his belongings that were along with his wagons. And so... He was penniless, and he traveled the rest of the way to Medzabush with literally not a cent, and he traveled by foot, and he went along with a whole bunch of other beggars, with, along with beggars, to Medzabush. When he finally arrived to Medzabush, the Bashantas told his students, he said, there's a group of beggars arriving, go and find these beggars and invite them to my Shabbos meal. So that's exactly what happened. They went, and, they went to find the beggars, and the... Among the beggars was this man. The Bashanta pointed out to him, and the Bashanta says, "You're the person who I spent sukkahs with, and I promised you a sizable portion in the world to come." And the man, the man, he he said, "Yes, I'm that person." So the Bashanta explained to him like this. He said, "Something this large, a person can't just achieve in, without any effort. A person needs to have effort, and in order to be able to get it, a person has to be able to has to has to survive on only drinking bread and water, small amounts, and sleep on the hard ground. And if the person accepts such a fate with love, then he's able to get a, a, such a large size in the world to come." Bashanta said that all these days that you've that you've suffered like this, like a pauper. You've now atoned for all your sins, and now you're able to um, you're able to actually get your portion of the world to come. The Bashanta told him that all the wagons filled with wine they're on the way here. You don't have to worry. The, Bashanta, the, the man spent the entire Bashanta on the right side. The, the man spent the 
Shabbos with the Bashemtiv sitting on the right side of the Bashemtiv the entire Shabbos, and sure enough, after Shabbos was over, the wagons arrived. The Tanya so far is going to talk about the Bashemtiv. The Bashemtiv was one of the most important people in the past hundred, many hundred years in Judaism. Bashemtiv changed Judaism in such an incredible way. But along with change and along with this new focus on joy and the new focus on serving God, came a lot of criticism. And the Alter Rebbe, who considered himself to be the spiritual grandson of the Bolshemtiv, had to do a lot of defending for the Bolshemtiv. Now, the, the Alter Rebbe understood that every single person that's going to show up with any form of critique of what they believe is, you know, different about the Bolshemtiv and needs to be explained. The Alter Rebbe understood he couldn't defend them all. So what the Bolshemtiv, what the Alter Rebbe did in the Tanya is, in this letter 25, the Alter Rebbe took one very famous criticism that the Bolshemtiv um, was levied against the Bashantov and very systematically tore it apart, explaining exactly why this thing make, is not a criticism in the slightest and why it lines up 100% with Judaism without a question. And the Altarab said, listen, you've seen how I've taken something that's considered so controversial and explained how it lines up and fits in within Judaism. Extrapolate and understand that there's answers for all the rest of your questions on the Bashantov. And the Bashan says that there's no time to go around explaining a, a million different questions every person is going to show up and have, but understand from the fact that this question is answered that the rest of the, the rest of the questions can be answered as well. To that end, let's begin. Letter number twenty-five. Lahavin imre to understand the words of understanding. Understanding a statement written in a book called Now, literally translates as the last will and testament of the Bashantov. Literally translates as the book that the Bashantov left um, right before he passed away. And in there is a very controversial statement, or seemingly controversial statement. What does it say? That, oh, Hagam. Now the Bashantav says, before we even get to, get to what the Bashantav said and explaining it, and that's going to take us a, a whole week of, of learning, the time is going to be broken into little pieces. But firstly, this isn't, the, although the book is called The Last Will and Testament of the Bashantav, it is most certainly not his last will and testament. Hagam Shiva Emes Enes This book is not his last will and testament. And the Bashantav didn't make any instructions before he passed away. The Bashemtov says that although the the, the, the says although these only sayings of Bashemtov are not actually the the last will and testaments of the Bashemtov, nonetheless the statement that's written in this book called Tzavah is actually accurate, and the Alterbes are now going to explain the explanation, just a quick understanding. In the teaching of the Bashemtov, in Tavash, the Bashemtov basically says that a, a hooligan, a horrible person that's trying to ha- harass a Jewish person, it's this is God inspiring this person to behave in such a way, and this is for a person to, to break through and to connect to God on a stronger level. And people said, well, how could you say that you know that there's, that there's a spark of godliness inside this hooligan, this horrible, dreadful person, He's, he's a bad person, and the Bashantav the is going to explain how it works and how sparks of godliness works in this world. And But first, he's going to explain that nothing really happens without Hashem enabling it. And that's the theme of today's, today's Hanyam.
If you want to understand the statement of the Bashanta, you first need to understand a very famous expression of the rabbis. And the rabbis say, any person that gets angry is as if he served idol worship. Now, angry anger, everyone can understand it's not a good trait, it's not a good behavior, but saying it's like bowing down to an idol, it sounds rather extreme. So what do the rabbis mean when they say that whoever gets angry, and this is a zayah, and whoever gets angry is as if they bow down to idols, as if they're doing idolatry. So in order to understand the Bashanta, you first need to understand the statement. And those that understand, understand. What is anger? Anger is essentially a person saying, this situation is supposed to be controlled somehow. But it isn't. And therefore I'm angry. Which means that he believes that the, well, he has a lack of faith. He doesn't believe that it's coming from God. Because if you believe that it's coming from God, well, there's no lack of control. This, this is supposed to happen, whatever is supposed to happen. And therefore, there's no reason to be angry. Anger comes from you believing or you not believing that God runs the world and this is ordained and this is exactly what God decided should be happening. Because if a person fully believed, he won't get angry. Now you might say, wait a second, this person had free choice. And this person came along with a baseball bat and whacked me with it. He, he hurt me. He had free choice. He could have not done it. Of That's the reason I'm angry, because he had free choice and he did it anyway. And not only is he really guilty, I'm going to bring him to court. I'm going to be guilty in court. And if, even if, in fact, he's, in, he's guilty in court, it makes no difference because, says Al-Trebba, If a person really believed that God had ordained it for him, a person would say, listen, if God wanted this to happen, it would have made no difference whether this guy hit me or the baseball bat would have just flown on its own and whacked me. So, Really, the decree of being a hurt came from God. Now, this guy, in his free will, chose to take the baseball bat and hurt the person. Now, that person needs to be, uh, be punished, but the person shouldn't be angry at him. The person that was hit shouldn't be angry at him, because that was ordained from God. But if God would have not wanted it, it wouldn't have happened. Okay. So, in fact, the, the proof is, or the, the way we could see that this has been ordained from God is, God enabled this person to be alive in the moment that he hit him. Had God not wanted person number two to get hit by person number one, Hashem wouldn't have enabled person number one to have any form of energy. He would have dropped dead on the spots. The fact that God continued to give him energy and gave him sparks of energy to remain alive to enable him to be able to hurt person number two is a clear indication that this comes from god and this is what god wanted and a great a great story that illustrates this says, says the altar Eber, is a story of david amalach david amalach was running for his life and a lot um, when he was running the from his son avishalom and anyone that wants to hear the story greater length could tune into my other podcast um the heroes of the Torah on Spotify or on Google Play. And David Malchus was running from, from Avashalom. Avashalom was chasing after him. And along the way, a man by the name of Shun ben stood up and started cursing King David. And the men that were with King David wanted to kill Shun ben And David Malchus told them, don't kill him. God sent him to curse me. 
Now the question the Rebbe is going to ask is, where did, where does it ever say that Shimon Begeria was told by God, or God sent Shimon Begeria to curse King David? It never happened. David Malach was, was um, never instructed by God but through Shimon Begeria to be cursed. David, um, David tells the men, leave him, don't kill Shimon Begeria. God told him to curse. When did Hashem tell that to Shimon? Says David Amal to his men, the fact that Shem Megera cursed me, this came from God. God put it in his heart to somehow curse me. And the breath of his mouth animated, animates the heavens, animates Shem Megera. And this Shem Megera character who decided to curse King David, he was given this idea by God, and he was still able to see it through. King David saw this, David Amal saw this, as a sign that this is coming from God. King David argued, had, if God didn't want this to happen to me, God would have taken the breath out of King, out of Shimon Begera. He would have dropped, killed him on the spot. Now, Shimon Begera got punished anyway, later down the line. But in that moment, David Amalek understood that this was coming from God. And this is the meaning, God told him, So, David HaMalach told his men, leave him alone. Who should say to him, why did you do so? God put the idea in his heart to curse me. And God didn't kill him in the spot and enable him to actually see it through and gave him energy in order for him to do it. David HaMalach saw this as a sign that this is coming from God. This is what God wants. The al is saying, this is a proof that if something negative happens to a person, and again, it's very challenging to see this through, but at the same time, this, is, this isn't the truth of the matter. If something challenging happens to a person, the cause of it comes from God. It's not the person himself that has any form of free will in the, in the matter. He has free will whether he's going to be a party to it. But at the same time, the fact that this happened to the person is 100% from God. Thank you so much for joining the Tanya. The Tanya is ill and Mr. Shinawaya. And also for the schus for all the Jewish people in the land of Israel and the soldiers in the land of Israel that they should have complete success and safety and shalom. Thank you so much for joining.